And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. John Vance. Greetings, everyone. I think uh, all of us are struggling with allergies in the room today, so you may hear us uh, kind of uh, coughing on and off, so uh, pardon us uh, if we do that. Well, uh, this is a very important time in the Christian calendar. Um, Just uh, yesterday was uh, Good Friday, and we're looking forward to tomorrow, celebration of Resurrection Day. Um, This is truly the most important part of the entire Christian calendar. Um, Praise God for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Gentlemen, let's uh, talk a little bit about um, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. Um, maybe also talk about what the gospel is and what what the message is of, of the Christian faith. So who would like to get us started today? I'll, I'll start uh, briefly. The gospel is essentially uh, focused on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you read Galatians carefully and um, begin to see how Paul understands the gospel – he understands the gospel as being the person and the work of Christ. It does not include anything from our side. The gospel is a message that comes from heaven. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why I have uh, almost uh, shunned uh, any people who talk about the gospel of political liberation or the gospel of feminism or the gospel of whatever. Sure. Because the gospel really is a unique message, and it comes from heaven and Jesus himself is the embodiment of the gospel. He is the gospel. Not only who he is, but what he did mm. in his actions here on earth, and finally, which culminated in our Lord going to the cross and paying the price of our sins. So that's the gospel. And that's yes. what uh, it means when people respond to the gospel. They respond by claiming Christ's person and identity. He is our Savior, our Lord and Savior. Mm. Amen. That's it. And when you look at, for example, 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul writes about this, he talks about this. Says, now, brothers, I would remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and in which you stand. I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. This is, when he yeah. says in which you stand, this is what you're basing your life on now. And by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. In other words, you didn't really believe at all. Mm-hmm. For I delivered to you of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And so it just really summarizes his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Yes. That's it. Yeah. And and it would not be the gospel unless it was the person of Christ, who That's he right. is. Yeah. The second person mm. of the Trinity who right. assumed human flesh. Right. That's exactly right. I get upset when I, I hear people sometimes look at Jesus' death as a martyr. Mm-hmm. He didn't die as a martyr. He died as a sacrifice for sin. That's true. That's a good way to put it. Uh, uh, he gave himself for us. Yeah. And uh, a martyrdom is dying for a cause. Right. Uh, and uh, 
so, um, of course, Jesus in that sense is not a martyr. He just didn't die for a cause. He died to save us, you mm-hmm. and me. Exactly. And it's just the uniqueness of the character of Jesus Christ, his His holy life, um, and uh, his death and resurrection. That is the center. And that is the good news. That's a, the great news because, as, as Paul was writing there, that's how we're saved. Mm-hmm. That's how we live. I mean, that's the whole meaning. When I agree with you, John, when you start talking about the gospel of this or the gospel of that, those things don't save. Those things aren't something to base your life on. Those things leave you empty after a while. They arise out of human works. Yep, exactly. And uh, the gospel arise out of the love and grace of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Exactly. The direction is downward. Absolutely. That's it. And and nothing that arises from us has any saving value. That's right. Our best, our righteousness is as filthy rags. When I hear that, I know there's real hope because I see myself and I fall flat on my face time and time again. But when we have a God who loves us and sends Jesus Christ, his son, Mm. for us, and it is that, uh, that direction from God to us, then there's real hope. Yes, Amen. You know, when you, when we talk about uh, Easter, uh, uh, we'll celebrate tomorrow. The very first words that I will open up with, I will say, Alleluia, Christ is risen. And there's a response from the congregation that he is, he is risen, risen indeed. Alleluia. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. This is a glorious time of year, and it's a wonderful story that we have uh, of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We almost have a break coming up. Um, what would you say today to someone that says, um, you know, maybe they're a heathen, and they, they, they say, you know, a lot of people die, and a lot of people have uh, died for causes, and why is why is Jesus so different? What are you guys so excited about? Well, the thing is, yeah, people die for causes, and maybe their cause persists, and maybe it doesn't, and maybe they're remembered in that way, but Jesus' death as I mentioned earlier, was a sacrifice for sin. His death actually took away the sins of those who are his children, of those who believe and trust in him. So it paid for these sins. It paid for these sins, and what it did is it changed, uh, for those who believe, it changes them from enemies of God to God's children. To God's friends, mm-hmm. what a and transaction. It's, a, it's a transformation. It's oh, a yes. transformational thing, and uh, people have been transformed ever since creation through the cross of Christ. He mm-hmm. takes our stony heart, yeah, and gives us a heart of flesh, a, heart of a flesh. real heart, a yeah. human yeah. heart that is open to the Lord. You know, yeah. sometimes you'll hear a song or a hymn about the cross, and you'd say, "Why would anybody sing about a?" You know, two pieces of board nailed together. But some of these songs are so precious to us believers because we realize that on that cross um, was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was crucified for us. Well, today we're talking about the um, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, this being the day in between Good Friday and Easter. Stay with us. We'll be right back after the break.
We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf in the studio with me today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. We're talking about this really important time in the Christian calendar in between Good Friday and Easter. And in particular, we're looking at the life of Christ, what he's done for his people. And maybe we could step back and in history, as it were, and uh, look at um, really this man, this God-man, coming into history with a mission uh, for a people. And so who could get us started about these, these early days, these early steps in the, in, the, in, the, in the life of Christ? Peter stepped forward, of course, and, uh, so, uh, and whenever the Lord asked a question, he spoke, and I'm kind of like that, so I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> Just step forward and say something. Then get corrected later. Uh, of course, the real uh, matter here is that it's not just that someone died on the cross. Many people died on the cross. The Romans crucified people as a form of capital punishment. 
But the important thing about Jesus' death is not that he died on the cross, so that's important. It's who died on the cross. And, of course, mm-hmm. this is the eternal Son of God. This is God come into the world. When he was born, he was called Emmanuel, God with us. He assumed human flesh. He has a human nature. And, of course, he could redeem us because he could represent us in his human nature and save us and take our sins upon him in his own body. In fact, uh, one of the ancient uh, uh, church theologians, uh, big name, Gregory of Nazianzus, uh, in the 4th century said something like this, what Christ has not assumed, he has not healed or redeemed. Mm -hmm. Now, that means he had to be fully man. But also, Mm -hmm. for it to have eternal and saving value, he also had to be divine, and he was the Son of God. Mm -hmm. So, who, who died on the cross for us, and who was raised from the dead for us? It's the second person of the Trinity who mm-hmm. became human. Yeah. God becoming flesh is one of the hard things to, to understand. And, of course, uh, the Gospel of John tells us that uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, it's speaking of Jesus. And then it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In fact, every act that he did in the human flesh, in some sense, was a healing, saving act. It was. His whole incarnation was. was a healing and saving yes. act, which culminates mm-hmm. yeah. in yeah. the cross and resurrection. He was uh, he was the second Adam, what Adam should have been, you know, without yeah. sin. Excellent point, without Mark. Sin. That's actually uh, the way uh, Paul puts it in Romans. Yeah. Uh, Romans and, and you can quote the verse, as through the first man came sin and, yeah. and then death, and then through the second, second Adam comes life. Comes life. That's right. So um, going back to that original question, um, the heathen is asking – you know, what big deal. Here's a man dying on the cross. Well, it is a big deal uh, because this is a very unique man in history. None before him, none after him like him. I think maybe one of the problems the heathen has sometimes is not understanding their own alienation from God. Mm-hmm. And the reason that Jesus had to come was because of our sinfulness. We are sinners, and that has alienated us from a holy and righteous God. And so that had to be taken away. God's righteous wrath had to be appeased. And and notice in the garden, uh, Adam and Eve, when they had sinned, they were trying to hide from God. That shows their alienation right. or estrangement. Oh, yes. God actually had to come to them. That's right. They yeah. would have not have come to God. <laughs> That's right. And in the course of human history, for the whole race, God sent his son, yeah. born of a woman, born under the law. Mm. Yeah to redeem us from the curse of the law. That's right. And um, th- there's a great uh, uh, understanding of this in, in an 11th century theologian, Mark, that you know well and most of us know well. And, uh, of course, that is uh, the great Anselm, yeah. who wrote a book. He entitled it Cur Dies Homo, which means, Why Did God Become Man? <laughs> and, of course, he points out, God became man to redeem us. And to save us from our sins. So, yes, uh, when Jesus died on the cross, it was not just any person taken from among men. It was the Lord Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, who was Mm. the eternal Son of God. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, you opened up with um, recounting what the gospel is that Paul shared in 1 Corinthians 15. And um, so Christ died for our sins. Uh, Going on, it says that he was buried. Um, What do we know about that? 
He was buried in a tomb. He was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a cave. If you go to Israel today, there are two sites that they would give you for where the burial is. One has a big uh, big monastery over it. It's the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Uh-huh. I don't want to get into that. I've, I've, I've looked at that. There are about, uh, I don't know, a half dozen or more different denominations that divided have. Divided it up and fight oh, over Divided it up yes. and, and, and give a Muslim the key to. <laughs> oh, my. I don't want to go into that. Yeah. So. And then there's another one. It's called Gordon's Golgotha. Where this Captain Gordon British found this spot, and it, here's a tomb that looks a lot like where Jesus may have died, actually, mm-hmm. um, and where the crucifixion may have occurred because the rock there looks like a skull. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things that would indicate that it's possible that it could be there. It doesn't make any difference whether it is or not. That Gordon's tomb, if you will, is a lot better place to get a feel for where Jesus was buried. Big rock was rolled across it, uh, covered it up. Usually what they did is they laid a person on a platform. After the flesh had rotted off the bones, they would take mm. the bones and, and put them in a either in a container or uh, they would cut a little cubby hole in the, the tomb and move the bones back there. Of course, that was not necessary for Jesus because he rose again. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a common os- ossuary. Well, mm-hmm. they did have ossuaries. Some places had ossuaries and some did not. Some would just had these Niche. little cut niches in yeah. the tombs. Mm-hmm. They had a two-stage burial. Uh, they yeah. would often bury the body or put it in a tomb until its flesh fell off. And then they would take the bones and put them in a niche or an ossuary. ossuary. Easy. Yeah. Easy for you to say. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, and, of course, Jesus, who fully died, though, yeah. Did not decay. Yes, that's yeah. true. And it, you could see where you know you have the the big stone there, and when the angel came and and rolled the stone away, not to let Jesus out, he was already out. He didn't need that, but to let the uh, guards know that he was out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, scared the socks off of them. Yeah, it it must have been a, quite a morning in the day that oh, Jesus yeah. rose. Can you from imagine the, mm. yeah. the uh, text that you shared, Mark? Going on says that. Uh, on the third day, he, he rose, uh, according to the scriptures, and then he's seen by people. He's yeah. seen by Cephas, which is another word for Peter. Uh, he's seen by the twelve. Then he's seen by over 500 brethren at once. Yeah. And John goes on to say, of whom the greater part remain to the present. In other words, you could walk up and talk to these guys. Exactly. Um, that was one of the greatest apologetics for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because, I mean, at that time, you have all these people who have seen him. Sure. And on top of that, if the Jews wanted to end this group right there, all they had to do was go to the tomb, produce the body of Jesus, sure. say, here he is. Yeah, what are you talking about? Stop all the talk right there. Yeah, that's it. And furthermore, the Romans, if they wanted to find the body, of course, they weren't looking for the body, but the Romans, who were persecuting Christians, asked these people or re- or had them to deny this, and they wouldn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And they went to yes. their death. Now, C.S. Lewis does something wonderful with this uh, mm-hmm. wonderful uh, a schematic here or whatever that he goes through. And he points out, he says, you know, people will die for a falsehood, but they don't know it to be false. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they are mistaken. They die right. for mistakes or they die for misunderstandings. Yeah. Or a fanatic may die because he's simply a fanatic and believes things that are false. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, these people died. And they did so 
because they actually believed that Jesus had been raised from the dead and they had seen him with their own mm-hmm. eyes. Yeah, and that, so Lewis says people don't die knowing falsehood. They that, only die for the truth. That is, that is a very powerful argument. Of course, mm-hmm. the other thing, and of course one of the arguments that the Jews used, one of the lies, was that the disciples came and stole the body. Now you stop and think about that. These disciples who were in the upper room, scared stiff, didn't know what they were doing. They were going to go and challenge these Roman guards. <laughs> and and we know Peter's aim was a little off anyhow because he only clipped the ear of the <laughs> Malchus, you know. Um, yeah. It just doesn't make sense that these guys no. either would have the courage or the ability to overpower guards and get Jesus Furthermore, it's clear that, that all the disciples did not expect Jesus to rise that's from the right. dead. They were totally shocked. <laughs> that's it. Oh, that's at, a good point. The, they that's were astounded. It. The women were, went to the, to the grave to, to attend right. to the body, and they were astounded. Even yeah. when he appeared to Mary in the garden, yeah. she did not recognize him because she was not expecting she, him. She thought he was yeah. And she only began to recognize him when he spoke to her as he had spoke before. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and even when you had a multitude and you had – you know, ten of the other disciples having seen him and, and the women, when Thomas shows up, he still wouldn't believe it. No way, unless I see him myself. Yeah. There's no way. That, and, of course, then he did get to see him. Oh, yes. And, and uh, then he knew that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, you know, there's another thing that you should see the resurrection, though. In uh, There's a backdrop to the resurrection. It's a scientific mm-hmm. uh, principle that we have called entropy. One of the great theological understandings about Jesus' resurrection is that he reverses death. Mm -hmm. The sentence of death is passed upon all things. Everything runs down. I think both of you have been scientifically trained. You know about the law of entropy. The law of entropy says that things, uh, everything is is under the sentence of decay and death. Sure. Everything tends to break down. Now, matter is not created or destroyed, uh, according to this law, but on the other hand, it becomes more unusable all the time. Mm -hmm. We call that decay and death, disorganization. Jesus reversed that. Nothing could reverse that. This is the power of God in the Mm -hmm. resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that's why we have hope. He reverses, if you will. The yeah. course of nature. I'm glad you mentioned that, too, from another aspect, and that is we're all humans and we've lost loved ones. We've had uh, perhaps a parent die or, a, or even a child. And, um, you know, uh, Paul shares with the Corinthians that if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? In other words, our Christian hope of the resurrection is based on the resurrection of this man, this God-man in history, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, It's a great hope. Um, We've mentioned it before, I think, on this program, alluded to walking through a burial ground, a cemetery, and seeing the great quotations on the stones of the saints. This gives great hope to us. We know that someday we will rise again. Um, We will, as it says, we will rise to meet him praise be to God that, that the resurrection is true. Uh, I guess there were some in Jesus' day, what were they, Sadducees and maybe some Greek philosophers who didn't believe in the resurrection. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. That's absolutely true. But he does reverse the normal course of nature Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and redeems us from our sins. And we have hope, hope of mm. eternal life. You know, where is it in uh, Mark? Help me out here. Is it in Ecclesiastes where... It says that God has placed eternity in our heart. I believe that's right. <laughs> now, if God, we have this idea of eternity in our hearts, and yeah. just think how cruel and pitiful it is yeah. if we had this notion, 
And it was such a, a longing that we have never to be fulfilled uh-huh. because of the sentence of death. Yes, it is yeah. only in the cross of Christ that you can see those longings fulfilled. So yeah. true. Yeah. You know, I'm just looking at the clock here, gentlemen. This program goes so fast, and I see we're out of time already for uh, the program today. And uh, I'm just wondering if, if maybe, Mark, uh, you could summarize uh, with great encouragement for the people of God today, based on the resurrection, some uh, words of comfort in closing. Sure. It says uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, again, he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trump will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. <laughs> That's it. We will all be yes. raised. Yes. Praise be to God. Yeah. Some of you have lost a loved one. And um, someday you all will die and I will die. And yet we have this great hope that someday, indeed, we shall all be raised again. Uh, if we know and love our Lord Jesus Christ and, and be with him for all eternity. Um, if you don't know Jesus Christ, now would be a wonderful time to um, repent of your sins and trust the Christ of the Scriptures for your eternal salvation. This has been A Plain Answer. Thanks so much for joining us today. In the studio with me has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. I'm Dan Elmendorf. A reminder to please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 